what's going on everyone welcome back to the cheat sheet and this week it's a 2020 mts draft board update and a lot has happened in the past week concerning the singles tournament matches we have our semifinals matchup of william bibiani versus john roca and then on the other side of that we have brendan meyer versus ben bateman now it's monday so that means the William Bibiani John Roca match is up on Patreon for two dollar uh, patrons on Mondays. A dollar comes out for Tuesday, and then on Thursday, that match is fully public. And then Friday we get the Ben Bateman Brendan Meyer match, which I think is going to be fantastic. That match I'm really really excited for. I I'm also very excited for the Bibiani Roca. The, the third match, the, the trilogy, will come to an end, potentially, I guess. I don't know. With those two. so um, But, given the match between Bibbs and Irwin, then you had um, Roka Kalinowski, you know, all that stuff kind of makes its way into my draft board rankings and how that shuffles some players around. I mean, you had really good showings from Brendan Meyer and Ben Bateman in past weeks. So, all of that... Uh, will will factor in eventually. Uh, another thing that I wanted to uh, put out there is that on the SchmodownLive.com, the the Schmodown's website, um, the the main one, the I, guess, I don't know if it's like the only one, but it's the main one because TriviaSD.com is no longer active. Um, you can still visit the site, I believe, but it's not going to be updated or anything like that. So you have to go to Trivia. I'm sorry. <laughs> You have to go to the SchmodownLive.com. You have your scheduling. Uh, the rankings are up there now. There's new rankings uh, that were just put up there. And I updated that site also with some more stats. You could already find stats for each division, for each player in that division. Uh, a full history uh, of each year from 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and this year. And what I ended up doing the past, over the past couple of days is I updated the site with tournament um, information, tournament stats, just what happened within that specific tournament for that specific year, uh, including this year. So you can kind of look at the progress or look at you know some of the, the, the recent history, if you will, with 2019 tournament, see how players are playing, see how well um, Bibbs is playing, see how well the kid is playing Bateman as well as Roka. You know, you may look at that final four that we have, and then you can compare that with years past. You know, take a look at does it compare to Sam Levine's run? Does it compare to Ethan Irwin's run from last year? So I think there's a, a lot of good information in there that might surprise you uh, about a couple people. Uh, so you can go over to theshmodownlive.com. You can look up all the information. Now, also, I also added a section on there called. Uh, Draft HQ. Now, what that is, it's basically your one-stop shop type of place where you can look up every single competitor that has ever played in the Schmodown, which comes out to 159 players. Uh, that That's everybody who's ever played singles, teams, inner geekdom, and Star Wars Division. There's been there's been a handful, um, so you can go over there and check out that page, and you can see that full list of 159 competitors that have played in the past and presently. 
as well. So if you were wondering where is Christian coming up with this 100-plus number, whatever, uh, who's going to be in the, the draft this coming next season, well, I don't know that this is his list specifically, but this is, as far as I can tell, and there, there may be a mistake here or there. I'm only one guy. But I'm fairly certain I have everyone recorded that's ever played in the showdown, that's played a competitive match. So you're not going to see uh, celebrity stats up there, like the Power Ranger um, cast that was in or the It cast. You're not going to see... Um, uh, well, I mean, you will, you will see Sam Witwer up there because he did compete in the Star Wars division. He was the champ at one time. But you're not going to see Freddie Prince Jr.'s um, stats up there. Uh, so just all those players, 159 of them, that have competed at in a competitive level, which is like 99% of the time it's been a competitive match when you had players walk in there. I mean, there is one match that comes to my mind that wasn't exactly super competitive. That was the Sasha Pearl Raver match versus Kara Warner. It was more of um, a couple of friends just having fun. But nonetheless, Kara Warner's stats up there. Sasha Pearl Raver's name is up there. You see old-timers like, uh, not old-timers, but... Um, OGs like uh, um, uh, Tiffany Smith and Alicia Malone, their numbers are up there, which are not great. But you also see players like Mark Bernardin's numbers are up there. You can see a guy like Nick Scarpino, who's who's competed actually like four times, once in teams, three times in singles. So um, this could be some information that if you're if you're looking to do fantasy draft next year, you can look at all their numbers. And what exactly you're going to see there is accuracy rates for each division a player has competed in. There's also a column that compiles both their accuracy rates within singles and teams. So you get a, so you get a combined accuracy rate from singles and teams for that specific player. You'll see their inner geekdom accuracy rate if they competed in, in inner geekdom. Same thing for Star Wars. Uh, you will also see their records for each division, singles, teams, inner geekdom, Star Wars. Um, and then you will see, I think I do have a combined singles and teams record column so you can see how well they've done uh, together with singles and teams. Because there are players who've been on like three teams. You look at someone like Mark Riley, he's been on top 10, Wolves of Steel, and now Who's the Boss? And you take his entire uh, run and you get a full uh, team record that way. And then you match it with his singles record and then you put it all together and you get a overall kind of record like that so you can go over this one on live.com see all that stuff peruse it and uh, i think that's a it's a decent amount of time um or a decent amount of information i have to say about each player um but right now i'm just going to go with um getting into these draft boards now there hasn't been much change i'm gonna start with uh inner geekdom here now not much has changed here but if you did listen to the rundown uh, this past weekend, uh, you know, we talked about the matches that happened, and then we also talked about a bit of information that that Christian um, uh, told us, and that was about scheduling. Because when the nuke dropped, we weren't sure how the scheduling was going to work out. Um, if everyone drafted 10 players, there's going to be equal amount of matches, blah, 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 this and that and the other. How's it going to be fair? And he said, look, that's not going to be the case. It's if if you draft a player, then it's kind of then it's on you 
if they play or not. You know, you got to take the chance if they're going to play. So if you look at someone like on this list, look at let's look at let's look at uh, let's say David Moore. He's a decent player in Intergeekdom. Um, doesn't necessarily play a whole lot. He hasn't played a whole lot in the past couple of seasons, right? Do you want to draft him? Because he may or may not play. Actually, a better example would be Hector Navarro. I have Hector Navarro at number eight on that list. And quite frankly, given that new information, I, I really am tempted to drop him down to like number 13 for the mere fact, not that he's not good. I think he's good. I think he knows more than everybody that's below him on that list and a couple people ahead of him on this list. But I don't know if Hector Navarro is going to play a match next year. Even though he's really good, I don't know if he's going to play. So in my mind, and the way that I'm formulating these boards, is I'm going to have to drop Hector Navarro on this list simply for the fact that I don't know if he's going to play. Now he could, and he could play two or three matches, and that would certainly justify drafting him at, at number as, a, as, a, as the eighth Intergeekdom player picked or even higher. Uh, if you got word of him saying, you know, look, I want to compete a lot more in Intergeekdom next year. He's definitely going to crack probably the top five, even, maybe. Um, because even though he didn't have a great performance against uh, Kevin Smets, I mean, he got knocked out, which was insane um, at the time, especially. You know, I have to imagine, if he's ready to come back and play, he's probably put in some time, so... Uh, in my mind, that means he's going to come back ready to win. So there's a lot of things you got to look. I know people will look at this list and say, why is someone, you know, at this level or this rank? It's really because I think the number one factor is going to be availability and probability of them playing. That's probably going to supersede whether or not their, their accuracy rate is 80% or that they average 20 points a game. Um, that is going to supersede all of that. And then once you figure out who's actually going to play, then you can break it down in terms of how good do they play? How good are they? Are they answering 80% or do they, you know, how good is their steal rate? Are they five of seven, you know, this, that, and the other. So once you get past the aspect of will they or won't they play, then you get into the actual uh, meat of it, which is their actually rates points per game. Do they play on a team? Do they play in more than one division? All that stuff. So once you figure that out, I think if you look at these boards, the rankings will make a lot more sense. So, uh, yeah, this this uh, Intergeekdom board, again, you know, I have Smets at number one. And what is that basically saying as of right now? Why do I have, why would I have Smets ahead of Kalinowski? Right now, Kalinowski has the belts. And I'm kind of judging this as if the Intergeekdom division schedule ended already and we're going to the next year let's say Kalinowski still has the belts and this can change obviously by the time we get by the time after spectacular airs and we're all through that but this is basically saying what i'm basically saying is kevin smats is going to be in line for the belt next year which means he will probably depending on how his number one contender match goes um if he gets through that and you know, that's a whole other thing, but you have to look at Brandon Hanna going to be in line for a belt next year? Is Mara? Yeah, I think so. I think Chan. I mean, all the, that top five, I think, are all going to be in pursuit of a belt. And then I kind of rank it in terms of who do I think could do it. And that's kind of how I 
drew up this this specific board. So there's a lot that I think people just look at the list and go, oh, you're disrespecting Mara Kanopic. I, I don't think that I am because she says she wants to come back and play, but I just don't know how much she's going to play. Um, I think Brandon Hanna will play a lot. I think Chandra will probably play a lot. But a lot remains to be seen. So, um, you know, let's. I want to get into this other board real quick, and it's the the draft board. And not not a lot's going to happen here for the next couple of weeks, aside from the fact that will Founding Fathers be on this board in the next couple of weeks when I update the board and the the live event that goes down in Orlando that that video is public on YouTube. After that, will Founding Fathers still be on this board? Remains to be seen, because, as we all know, if Founding Fathers loses to corruption, John Roca and Dan Merle, they are done as a team, and they'll have a final record of 3-3 three and three as the Founding Fathers. Way below expectations, right? So, not a lot's going to change in the next couple of weeks aside from that, and then obviously once the team tournament gets rolling, um, then yeah. There's be a lot more changes there, and we'll figure out who might be in the top 10 protected, semi-protected list. We'll find out better who will be in the top 5 protected that can't be broken up because if you're a top 5 protected team, you cannot be split up if you're drafted. Your teammate's going with you no matter when you're drafted. Uh, so that's another aspect. Uh, but again, we'll, once we get through the team tournament, that'll be happening soon, uh, this list will be changing. But a list that has been changing a lot is my singles draft board right here, and... There's a bit of a shakeup here. Um, I got Dan Merle still at number one uh, just because he's played really, really great in his three matches. Yes, he did lose the belt, but he did win it, and he did defend it against Bibiani. So he's played really, really well. He actually um, outplayed Oyama in their title match. Um, so I, I have no problem leaving Dan here at number one for now despite him not playing in the tournament. But once we figure out who's in the final, Dan's going to drop down from this number one. It's only reasonable to do that because he hasn't played in you know, in at least four matches like the, the finalists will have, or thereabouts, you know, three or four matches. So uh, Bibbs is at number two. I mean, he's been playing lights out. Uh, he has beaten not only top competitors, but he's beaten top play. He's had the toughest road. I mean, I could have Bibiani number one right here, and, and you know, some people might fight me on that because Damrell's the goat, and I get all that. But right now, Bibiani is setting himself up for a monster year next year. He's setting himself up for great, uh, great chances of success. Even if he doesn't win the singles tournament, um, he's still going to be in the hunt next year, early on next year. For a title belt, he's made it this far, uh, you know, and he still has a number one contender shot anytime he wants to cash that in. So that's definitely going to keep Bibbs, no matter what, in the top four, more than likely top three uh, as we progress to the end of the tournament. And then obviously his team performance will help inform this just a little bit. But I got Paul Oyama at number three. And look, the guy is 6-0 this year. He's going to have to defend the belt for a second time at Spectacular against Bibiani, Bateman, or Meyer, or Roca. I mean, that's going to be no uh, easy task. And, you know, it's 
whoever he plays, I don't know if he can win a seventh match in a row because it's only been done once in the history of the singles division, and that was by Sam Levine when he went on that insane run uh, at the end of 2017 to go through that tournament and then you know play those last couple of matches in 2018 before he retired. So um, Paul Yama, I'm going to have at three, and just that's only because Ethan Irwin suffered yet another loss this year. And I don't know if you saw my tweet or my post in the Facebook, uh, the, the, the MTS Facebook group, Ethan Irwin has had a really rough year. He's one in three. His uh, he's averaging about like eighty six percent accuracy rate, about twenty and a half points, twenty point five points per game. But his opponents are average. The average accuracy rate is like eighty eight percent. Because you think of who he's played. He's played Dan Merrill to start out the year, who had a perfect game. He played Bibbs in a triple threat match with John Roca, and Bibbs was lights out in that match. I think he missed one or two two questions in there, so that's a high accuracy rate to contend with. And then he lost to Bibbs just the you know last round of the singles tournament, uh, and he played lights out in that match as well. Uh, and then you know his match against Haley Fouch was out in New York. He played really well. Haley, you know, struggles at the live events. That's the new thing for her. But in those four matches, really, he's played Bibbs twice and Dan Merle, and you're one and three. Now that's, you know, it's it's unfortunate for him because he's played so well. But on the flip side, you look at Bibiani. I mean, he's played Dan Merle. He did lose. He did get TKO'd in that title match. He's played Chance. Uh, he's played Ethan now twice. Uh, like I just said, triple threat in the, the p- previous round. So he's played tough competition all year long, and his opponent av- average accuracy rate is pretty high. It's like in the 80s, too. I think it's like 82 or something like that. Not that far off from Ethan Irwin. So Bibbs definitely at number two. I could go on and make a case to make him number one, but I thought let's wait and see if he gets to the final, and, and then it'll be a lot easier, I think, for people to understand that he should be number one on this list. Uh, ben Ben Bibian at number four. Ethan Irwin drops all the way down to five. I think I hit him at two uh, last week. Uh, Chance at six. John Roca at seven. I know he commented, at least on the on the big board that I have. I think I had him at ten last time, and he thought that was a joke. And I was like, I, I don't think that's a joke. I, I'm not sure you could beat the people ahead of you on that list, one through nine. Um, you have a shot, but I think... The odds are much more in their favor. Anyways, moving on. Brendan Meyer uh, at number eight. He pl- he's he's just been on a great run. Um, so I had to bump him up. I think he was down to like around thirteen, but he's played. He's been playing great. He's in the tournament semifinals. Uh, Paul Presence had a hell of a year. Snyder he had a big win, uh, number one contender match against Mike Kalinowski. That's got to count for something. And he took Paul Yama to the limit in New York, and then so that that's gonna round out the top ten there. Um, but I think that the real the real thing that we want to look at here is the big board. Uh, where I combined all the singles players and team-only players and Intergeekdom and Star Wars players. And right now, I still have Dan Merrill as the number one overall pick. And you can see here, I put in some accuracy rates alongside uh, their name there, Dan Merrill. And this is a combined accuracy rate between singles and teams. Um, So between singles and teams, Dan Merrill has a career accuracy rate of 80%. Bibbs there with 81 you see Mike Kalinowski I have him at number three I had him at number four last week but I I had to put I had to bump him up to number three again because of the Ethan Irwin loss so he benefits from that Mike 71% accuracy rate between singles and teams now 
you might say, well, well, hey, look at how he's playing this year. What about this year? Well, you know what? I, I can't ignore someone else's previous good years um, to to take to account, so I can take into account Mike's previous good year, right, or current good year. Uh, so I have to include everything. And right now, no doubt, Mike has played better. And if you want to know how better he, he's played, then go look at TroyDownLive.com, look at the stats, 2019 season, and then go ahead and compare them to his 2018 and 2017 campaigns. Uh, but right now i got Mike at 71% uh, accuracy rate between singles and teams combined. His inner geekdom rate, 78%. You would think that'd be a little bit higher. You would be right. But he didn't really kick into gear until last year. So he's kind of making up for you know uh, that lost ground. Uh, but still, nonetheless, very. I mean, he's very dominant. You know, uh, this year he has been. I mean, he's got two belts. He had a shot at a third. Didn't didn't happen. And, and you go on. But he's sitting there at number three. I mean, he's he's really impressive. At least, especially in intergeekdom. And he has a hell of a teammate in Chance. So uh, explains explains a lot there. Paul Yama I have at number four uh, at, with an accuracy rate of seventy eight percent again between singles and teams. Um, Ethan drops down to number five, even though with the 84%. So the thing is, I have to you have to drop him because of the lack of wins. And I'm actually next week, I think, what I'm gonna do, and I just kind of was going through this this week, or today rather, about what this point system that, that Christian's gonna have in terms of what managers, you know, will be awarded, what the faction will be awarded. You know, they'll get a, a point for a win. They'll get, you know, another point, an additional point if it's a if it's a knockout or a TKO or what have you. If it's a title win, they'll get two points. There's going to be some sort of point system uh, that's going to be in place, to, and, and then you'll be awarded those points based on what you do in that match. So what I, what I, what I did is I kind of just made up some arbitrary point system, and I applied it to the current factions we have right now and come up with a point total. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say who came out ahead in that point total, uh, that race that doesn't actually exist uh, until I want to refine a little bit more. And I'm going to discuss that next week, probably right here and then really go into it on the rundown next week with Brad and talk about it and see what he has to think. Cause I'd be curious to see what he thinks about it. Um, because there's also been Christian also said, you know, you know, to, to, to supplement the lack of intergeekdom matches, maybe we make an intergeekdom win worth two points as opposed to one point, like it would for a team win or a singles win. So none of that's confirmed. That's all going to be ironed out. Um, and I think a good way to do that is to kind of run this year's uh, or the proposed point system that we use next year and use it on what we have this year and kind of see how things shake out. So that's what I'm kind of curious to find out with, with that little experiment with that experiment that I've been doing or that I am going to do. Um, but when you look at Ethan Irwin, then specifically getting back to that, he only has one win this year. So he would have only contributed one point to Jay Washington's faction this year. If you look at it that way, and that's it. Or I'm sorry, two points because he was part of a, um, a time machine win. So he would only give you two points. Um, it would be part of, you know, it's a point and a half because Jenny's on the other half of the point. Uh, and she has a win this year. So um, that's how you would... So, yes, Ethan Irwin is very good. A former singles 
champion. He won the tournament last year. Very good. You know, and he had seven wins last year, right? So he would have gave you at least seven points. And then he had a few knockouts, so you had a couple more points in there. And then he won the title match, so you had a couple more points for that. And you're looking at 10, 11, 12 points um, that he would have given you last year. This year, if, if we were applying that, that point system, uh, which, again, is not official or confirmed or anything like that, but hypothetically, Ethan Irwin would only give you one point Plus, he'd be part of another point that he would have given you from that time machine win with Janine. So, as good as Ethan Irwin is, he's only given you a point and a half this year, which is pretty stunning. So, you got to think next year. He, that, that can't happen again. And the good news is for him, he's going to be in the hunt for a title, singles title at the very least, next year. So, does that raise his value um, I think it might. I think it might, and it'll depend on a specific manager, how they view that type of thing. But in my eyes, I, I really don't see him dropping really below um, number number five. But you never know. Uh, I got Ben at six. He's been playing really good as of late, 75% between singles and teams. That That's where you get that accuracy rate. Chance, he's at seven here. He has been phenomenal this year in singles. Again, he, he suffers a little bit from what Ethan Irwin is. Um, look, he had to play against Bibbs in the first round of this tournament, and he, he played lights out. He only missed one question, same as Bibbs. The only difference was Bibbs answered his five, Chance didn't, and Chance went home. Now he's defending the team the team belt down in Orlando. So he's still got that going for him, not too bad. But between singles and teams performances, and, we're, and it's a lot of that's based off of this year alone, that accuracy rate of 83% is huge. And in that lone Intergeekton match he had earlier, uh, a couple months back, 73% during that match. Now, I expect him, and I've seen him comment that he'd like to play more in Intergeekton. I think that's definitely a possibility. So that's definitely going to raise his value in terms of where he's taken. And if they're still defending the team titles, I mean, a lot of that stuff will be factored in as, as we get towards the end of the year. But if he can play in three divisions, obviously there's three opportunities, three separate divisions for him to give you points. And that's much better than, um, let's say, who's only playing in one division as Kevin Smets, who I have down at 15, um, even though his accuracy rate in Intergeekdom is absolutely ridiculous at 89%. He's only playing in Intergeekdom. He's got four wins this year, so that's four points, which is not bad, but... Intergeekdom is so strange, though. Intergeekdom is very strange um, because if you're really good and you're in the hunt for the belt, you probably you probably will play three to four times uh, that year. And if you win all that, all those matches, you're getting about three to four points. And then if you win the title, you get a couple more points off of that. So you're good for about maybe six points, seven points. I mean, if you get a knockout here, you could knock out here. You know, you could get eight points. So. Um, that can be very valuable, but I think Smets, Kalinowski, um, especially if Kalinowski does not have the belt by the start of the next year, I, I would flip Kalinowski and Smets in terms of I intergeekdom rank. Maybe not on this board, obviously, but in intergeekdom, I would probably flip them because Mike's going to be on the hunt for the belt. And when you're on a hunt for the belt, there's more opportunities to play, which means more opportunities to earn points for your manager, for your faction. If you're constantly defending the belt, yes, you can get 
some bonus points out of that if you win. But if you don't, then you kind of fall down a little bit. And yes, you'll have another crack at it, but there will be people that have been trying to work their way up the ladder and you can, now you got to go through all of them. So it could be a long road. It could be interesting. I don't know. It, that's why I said I got to think on more, and I'll talk about talk about all of that next week. Uh, a curious uh, ranking I have here is probably looking at number nineteen with Tom Ryman, um, part of the Looney Bin with uh, Video Drew. Uh, in his one lone match, that's all I can go on. He has he's answered ninety percent, uh, nine of ten questions in in that one team match. But by all accounts, I hear he's really, really good uh, from people that follow him uh, and his work. So I'm going to leave him up there at number 19. We'll see what he does in the team tournament. But um, you never know. His stock could rise. It could lower. Uh, it'll be interesting. Another interesting thing here on this number 25, Adam Lavic and Eric Zipper, for that matter, they're both, they both could be sneaky triple threat competitors if you draft them, if you team them up properly, um, more notably for Adam Lavic. If, if Zip and Paul Yama stay together, obviously they're, they're a team right now, but they could stay a team next year. But if they weren't, Zip and Lavic are great complementary players for a team you might be looking to pair up. Um, you know, if you have, let's say, you know, Adam Lavic and Zip, maybe do you want to pair them up with someone, um, that has more experience. So let's say someone else becomes available that I'm not really sure on this list who could be available, who would not be protected. But let's say for argument's sake, let's say for argument's sake, odd couple, they don't survive. Um, if you paired any one of those two up with an Indrake or a Snyder, I think that'd still be a pretty damn good team. I really do. Um, and, and Zip and Lavic could be great complementary players. And I think they both serve particular purpose especially given that they both do have some inner geekdom knowledge uh you know that helps a lot in team settings whereas one player might not be that great in inner geekdom kind of categories you know comic book movies or what have you so that's where a pick like those two guys could come into effect um yeah so i mean you look at other players like tim franco who who's only plays in teams i got him at 29 you look at someone like uh let's see here Mark Hoyk, I, I don't know what to do with this guy. I, I mean, I think I have him in a good spot, but is he going to play a lot next year? I don't know. So not only, I mean, look, he has 78% through that one match. How will he play in the team tournament? Could drop his rank, could lower his rank. I don't know yet. But the interesting thing is availability once again. So myself, I will be paying close attention to seeing to see if I can hear anything, really, first off, if they have intentions of trying to play more next year. If I hear that kind of talk, expect certain people then to to go up in the rankings because I know that they're going to play more. If I got word that Alonzo Duralde, who I have at 23, wanted to play in singles next year and really wanted to play more, you better believe he's gonna, he's going to go up in his rankings. He's got, I mean, look, I know he has 69% accuracy rating, but... I think he's been really, really good. And playing in two divisions, if he plays in singles, that's going to bump him up a few slots, you know? So if I, if I hear anything like that, you have to take that into account because, once again, availability is going to be probably the number one thing managers will probably have to look at. Now, you can draft, you know, they can draft their friends all they want, but if they don't play matches, what good are they to you in the end, you know? So... Uh, that, that, that this is kind of just uh, 
you know, the, the rundown of my draft board. So, uh, let me see here. It's just been real difficult trying to figure out how to rank this board, and the availability aspect is something that that is really going to affect rankings here. And quite frankly, I don't know how you know people will look at it and say, "Well, I don't think people will look at these rankings, my my rankings, and say and agree with it because they won't be first thinking." Are they gonna? How how often are they gonna play? I I think it's gonna take some time for that to kind of click with some people, and that's okay. I get it. Uh, but that's just know that's how I'm looking at this board. If you'll notice on the board, I mean, you can see like one through twenty-ish, twenty, yeah, maybe twenty-five. You say, look at that, and you go, yeah, those people are gonna play a decent amount of time. And the back half of the list, you know, they don't play that much. They haven't played that much. They could be good, but they don't play that much. And the only reason I got Alex Damon there at number 36 is because he's the champ. So, And you don't have many of those matches. So that's interesting about Star Wars. You don't have that many matches. And the ones that you do are more than – or at least half you almost kind of figure might be title matches. So he's going to play in those. And if he's not if, – if for some reason he were to lose a title match, which I don't think is going to happen – you know, he's still going to be in the hunt for another one right away because that division's not deep. So he could get the crack at it right after he lost it, if he did, if he ever did. So you, there's, you have to look at each division, specifically Inner Geekdom, Star Wars, and Singles, and see how it all meshes and see where, you know, the volume of matches lies. And maybe that, you know, um, informs you in terms of where you would place them on your board, where you might take them in your fantasy drafts next year. Fantasy draft is going to be a lot of fun next year, and um, I think um, it's going to be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to pretty much do it here for uh, this, this match, or this episode, and I'm looking forward to the upcoming matches here. We're down to the final four in the tournament. Who's going to be playing for the title, or at least for the final and then the title um, at Spectacular. It's going to be a lot of fun in the next coming next coming weeks. That team tournament's going to be crazy. I'm looking at teams like Who's the Boss, Shazam. Um, I'm looking at teams like uh, um, The Odd Couple to see what they got. They had some of that magic left in them. Uh, I'm curious to see teams like Looney Bin and Loose Cannons, Crimson Fury. Crimson Fury's an interesting one. Tim Franco, Stacey Howard. I know Stacey Howard hasn't had the best year this year. But, you know, can she bring some of that magic with, with Tim Franco? Uh, I'd like to see if she could. I think she could do it. That's for sure. Um, you know, team tournament, man. The tournaments have been crazy this year. Teams have been – tournaments have been crazy. And I don't see why it's going to stop here at singles. It's going to continue on with teams. And I'm looking forward to it. But uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, see you guys next week.